0: Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter podcast, and it is training camp week. Here we go. On Wednesday, July 21st, the Dallas Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers are opening training camp. And on this week's episode of the Adam Schefter podcast, we will be joined by Tom Brady's longtime body coach, massage therapist, mental guru, the man that has helped get him to the point where he is at in his career, Alex Guerrero. As the Buccaneers open training camp and as Tom Brady relies on Alex Guerrero, we'll have Mr. Guerrero himself share with us how he has helped and aided Tom Brady's career and help him become the legend that he actually is. As for the headlines last week, how about the sad story of Richard Sherman, which really is a continuation of the disappointing developments with the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Once one of the most famous and feared secondaries that we've ever seen in the NFL, you take a look at what's happened to that particular group of players, and it's hard to imagine what's become of them. How about former Pro Bowl cornerback Brandon Browner, a member of the Legion of Doom, an undrafted player, who was signed by Seattle out of the Canadian Football League. He is now in San Quentin State Prison in California. He is in the beginning stages of an eight year sentence for attempted murder and two misdemeanor counts of child cruelty. How about Earl Thomas and the way that his career in Seattle ended with him giving the finger to Pete Carroll before he wound up signing with Baltimore, where he wound up being cut for conduct detrimental to the team after he got into a fight with the Raven safety Chuck Clark during a training camp practice in late August, a year ago before there were issues where essentially in January this past year, Nina Thomas, Earl Thomas's wife was granted a restraining order against her husband shortly after Christmas, when she claimed that Earl presented a clear and present danger allegations that Earl Thomas, of course, later denied. And then we saw Richard Sherman last week admitting that he was remorseful, that he'd had some challenging times here in his personal life, him being arrested on five different misdemeanor charges, now waiting to see what happens to him going forward. But Brandon Browner, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, once celebrated, hailed, deified in Seattle as integral members of the Legion of Boom, now all in their own challenging, difficult, personal, legal situations. And really, I don't know that there's a moral to the story other than it's just amazing that something like that could happen to men as celebrated as these three particular individuals were. Hopefully everything works out for everybody involved. All right, on this week's podcast, we mentioned earlier Alex Guerrero, the body coach of Tom Brady, the man that has helped him get to where he is today. He's really accomplished quite a lot, and very rarely do you get to hear from him. And his name is out there often, but I figured that it would be right with Tampa opening training camp this week with players essentially going into their little bubbles, their own personal bubbles, that we'd reach out to the guy that the New York Times once described as Tom Brady's spiritual guide, counselor, pal, nutrition advisor, trainer, massage therapist, and family member. But before we get into Alex Guerrero, I wanted to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast, The Right Time with Bamati Jones, hosted Bamani Jones. This podcast has it all. Hot takes, meaningful discussion, great guests. And if you're like me, once a week just isn't enough Bamani. So the podcast is released three times a week. Make sure you're downloading and following the right time with Bamani Jones wherever you get your podcast. Also, 30 for 30 is back with Breakaway, a film about WNBA superstar and activist Maya Moore. The film explores the story of Moore one of the best basketball players in the world, stepping away from the sport for a remarkable reason, to fight for a man she believed was wrongly imprisoned. Watch Breakaway Live Tuesday, July 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, presented by Hyundai. And now the man that former Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman once compared to the Karate Kid's Mr. Miyagi, a man that some NFL clients have described as a quote-unquote mystical healer, a man that has helped Tom Brady back from injury time and time again, Alex Guerrero. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for taking the time. You know, this, I believe, is the first time that I've ever spoken to you. That's
1: true. I've heard you, well, I watch you all the time. And then I've heard uh, when you called us when we were in Costa Rica, trying to decide on which team, uh, you know, we were going to go play for, I remember you calling him a couple times, times. So I was there.
0: <laughs> you were there for, but we, you and I never have interacted. That's very true. That's true. So I, I, I guess my question is who is Alex Guerrero and how did you become Alex Guerrero? Well,
1: I mean, I, i'm I'm, a, I'm just a simple guy you know i love uh i love sports I grew up uh with sports. my father actually played professional sports in Argentina, where my family's from and so sports has always been a part of our family. I've got some older brothers who are very athletic and played sports. I played tennis in high school and um some soccer and i just i love football i i I never really had a lot of size you know I played pop Warner and PB football like everybody else had grown up and played baseball and things like that. So I absolutely love sports, um, and still play, um, you know, tennis to this day, uh, as much as I possibly can. And so sports has always really been something that, um, has been a, a large part of my life. So I love athletes. I love what they do. I, it, they, they absolutely fascinate me with their ability to do what they do. Um, and so I, I got into this when I, I, um, I got my master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine, and when I finished school, um, you know, I thought that there was a way that I could get involved in in sports and athletes and help them with different ways. So I came up with this technique to eliminate negative neuromuscular memory responses, and fortunately, it worked. And when I started, I started my career in track and field, and this was in the early '90s, and so you know, then there was, there was no internet, there was no phones, there was no anything at the time, right? Like it was just so, yeah. you know, I, I started, I went to the Mount SAC relays, I put up a tent, you know, I was there by myself and some athletes came by and I, and I met some pro athletes and, and worked on them. And so, you know, fortunately what we did for them worked out and many of them, you know, went and pr and they did great. And so that's how I kind of got my career going was in track and field. And a lot of the track and field athletes at the time, um, trained at universities, whether it was USC or UCLA, I lived in California at the time. And, um, and so I went and treated a lot of the kids at Long Beach Poly, um, which was in there in California and they ran track. Well, when those kids kind of graduated, some of them played football. So when they went up, you know, SC or UCLA, then I would kind of follow them that way. And then, you know, when they went into the pros, I kind of followed them there. And then through, the track coach at Long Beach Poly is how I was introduced to Willie McGinnis. and Willie and there we, and there we go there and there's the
0: first connection
1: right and there's the first connection yeah i actually started with uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar who used to be Sharman Shah played he was a running back at UCLA um, and i started with him and uh, helped him you know throughout his career you know it wasn't a, a long long career but he had you know some real structural issues that would have kept him playing at all. So the fact that he played in the NFL was, was miraculous and he's a phenomenal mm-hmm. human being and just a phenomenal athlete. And, and so that's kind of how I, I got into it. And I absolutely fell in love with the game of football because back then, um, you know, as you may know, you know, football wasn't guaranteed money. Then Like if if athletes didn't play, but like, then they really didn't get paid, right? There was not a lot of guarantees in football. Whereas in, you know, I was seeing basketball players and, I was seeing um, football players, basketball players, baseball players. Well, baseball, basketball—you know—they had guaranteed money. So, what I learned through that process was that they didn't have quite the same amount of motivation to get back um, that a lot of the football players had, as you know, football players wanted to stay on the field, they wanted to get paid, and, um, and so you know, I met Willie and you know, that, that, uh, that worked out and it worked, you know, Willie, I, I met him like in his sixth year in the league. And, you know, he ended up playing 16. We were together for 10 years.
0: So Willie brings you to Foxborough to work with him and the Patriots, or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So I, I originally started just, we're going to see Willie at his home. So I would go there maybe, you know, three days every other week. So I would see Willie like six days a month. Um, and helped him through his issues so that he could continue to play. Because At that time, Willie hadn't really played a full season, um, you know, through his first six years in in the league. And it was very challenging for him, and it wasn't fun for him. And so, you know, working together, we made football fun again, and he was able to play without pain, and and he had a great career. And so I would originally start seeing him at his home. Um, And so my first year going to New England was Pete Carroll's last year there. Wow. Um, as a coach so I'd been going there quite some time and it was then through Willie how I met you know other players and Tom and then it was just easier for me to, to go to the facility and, and see
0: them there. So you get brought to Foxborough by Willie you eventually meet Tom and it gets to the point where it's been described and you could connect me from, and you can correct me if I'm wrong you're now Tom's spiritual guide his nutrition advisor his trainer his misshotman his massage therapist, you're the godfather to his son Ben. You're a partner in TB12. I mean, you are intricately involved to the point where some people say you know his body better than Giselle. How does that <laughs> what is the key to that relationship taking off and growing the way that it did, Alex?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think I learned a lot from a lot of the athletes. Like my relationship with Willie is just as strong, right? So um, even like my relationship with Ladanian Tomlinson, who I took care of his career, and, and a lot of others, it becomes when you become a caregiver that way, it's important to, there's a very strong correlation between helping somebody physically, e- emotionally, you know, mentally slash, slash spiritually, right? There's a very strong component. I've always believed that you can't separate those things when you're trying to take care of somebody. Like when somebody has an injury, there's an emotional component you know, to that injury, there's an emotional pain that they suffer, right? Whether it's depression or, you know, am I going to make it back? Or, you know, is this going to hurt my career? There's some sort of emotional thing which can lead then lead to a mental thing. Right. Um, and so nurturing all three elements of, 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 an athlete, I think is in my experience, really important to help them sustain their peak performance and do what they love doing for as long as they want to do it. So, you know, when, so when I got with Tom, for example, and he had you know elbow pain, you know, there was a very strong emotional correlation to his elbow pain. Like you know he they thought, oh my gosh, am I not going to be able to play? Because I you know I'm missing practices and I'm going to miss games, and you know now they might want to do a procedure, and you know now there's an emotion like I got the job because somebody else came off the field, right? And then that becomes a mental issue. So all of those things. So it was it was providing him with you know a lot of confidence and hope. Um, security that he would be able to do what he loves doing, which is, you know, throwing the football and being able to throw it as well as he possibly can. And, um, you know, so that's how we, we, you become so involved in, in, you know, your clients' lives. And it's, you know, once you, once you, you tap into that, and I think you know, my relationship with Tom is, is a little unique. Um, I think we both have the same mindset. We both love winning. We both love working hard. Um, we both are really, you know, outside the box thinkers. Um, you know, he's not afraid to get worse before he gets better. He's so open to trying new things to see if this will actually make him better. Um, and I'm I'm you know, the same way, which is why, you know, I think when you know I developed a technique I developed for eliminating negative neuromuscular responses, you know, it was very unique at the time and um, nobody was really doing it. And and a lot of people just thought it was, you know, really weird and off base. And it, you know, wasn't traditional at the time. So Tom and I connected, uh, I think that way as well, as just being able to think about things differently than other people do.
0: You mentioned the three components, mental, physical, spiritual, are those the three components? Am I correct in that?
1: Yeah. So you have your physical, you know, you've got your emotional, mental, and then spiritual. You think they feed off each other? I do. Yeah. And so when we, so, you know, when I work on somebody that gets injured, you know, I will always, you know, we'll talk about what the, you know, what they're feeling and what emotion they're feeling and why they're feeling it. And, and, and then providing them hope through that, you know, to let them know that, hey, you know, we're going to be able to get you through this. Like, this is going to be okay. Like, you're going to make it. And there's, a, there's, there's a very strong correlation to their healing response. Like, I don't believe that, you know, your brain understands time. Like, I, I think it just understands what you teach it. And so, for example, if you have an injury and somebody tells you that that injury is going to take six weeks to recover, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, well, this is a six-week injury, so what does week one look like? Well, here's week one, here's week two, here's week three, right? So on. And I always thought, like, well, who am I to tell you that you can't heal faster than six weeks? Like, hmm. just because it was traditionally six weeks, I don't know, you might be able to do it in three weeks, right? Like, let's let's start to think, because I don't believe the brain knows time, it just knows what you tell it. So, you know, the, the body has an amazing ability to to respond and react to the way that you think about, you know, your injury, the way that you think about how you're going to recover um, and rehabilitate. So that just leads us to be able to look at trying to, you know, get athletes doing what they love faster. So over the course of time, I just, I could, I could get rid of negative neuromuscular responses 50% faster than everybody else could. So I could get an athlete back in half the amount of time that anybody else thought they could.
0: Negative neuromuscular responses. What does
1: that mean exactly? So it's 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 a traumatic experience. So when an athlete or anybody suffers an injury or there's pain, right? Your 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 body stores that that traumatic experience yeah. with inside of its muscle memory, right? So that's saying, okay, like you know, you're running and you pull a hamstring, let's say, right? And then Your body now through your rehabilitation everything else trying to go okay now we've got to protect adam so that this doesn't happen again and we need to protect samson so let's lock let's shut down a little bit let's not fire as hard let's let's have other muscles come in and compensate and help support this this group right so you will then develop neural pathways for that new movement pattern that's muscle so your muscles will then store that traumatic experience as muscle memory because they don't ever really want you to experience that trauma again so i think the the wonderful thing that we do is we get rid of the brain's ability to store that negative muscle experience. And we program it to a new one, which is it actually doing its action. How do you do that? Um, we give it a new traumatic experience, but the traumatic experience we give it, is it doing its action? So we will isolate that, that muscle group we will do some, you know, deep tissue work to it while we put it through motion, while we do different ranges of motion, and typically what we're going to do is ranges of motion that that athlete actually got hurt in. So I can do, you know, deep force, you know, muscle weight call pliability, which is again, making the muscle stay long and unrestricted through all ranges of motion. Huh. So then the brain goes, Oh, I understand. This is how Adam wants me to fire. I can get the you know, hamstrings to work and the glutes to work and all the muscles that correlate to a, to a movement pattern to fire evenly at the same time. Then your brain develops new neural pathways for that and goes, okay, this, we understand how Adam wants us to move. And then you eliminate the negative neuromuscular response.
0: Wow. Thomas had so many injuries during time. He, he doesn't miss time, but he, there have been various things that have popped up. So for instance, in the week of that playoff game, I think it was the championship game, right? He hurt his finger in practice or his hand stitching. Oh, his thumb. His yeah, thumb. He,
1: yeah, he split his thumb.
0: Yeah. Is that something, even though that's not muscular, Necessarily muscular. It is. It really
1: is. Yeah. Everything's got to stable support the joints' movement. So, you know, the nice thing is there wasn't a lot of ligament damage, which is great because we, you know, we try to keep, you know, all the muscles long again and unrestricted. Therefore, Mm -hmm. then there's no real load on the joints. So even if he, even if his joint goes past its normal natural range, um, because the muscle isn't so tight, there's no, you know, there's no real force on the ligaments. So the ligaments didn't tear. So fortunately for him, he didn't have any ligaments tearing his thumb. Um, so it really was gruesome because it really, you saw that the pictures probably, but it really opened up. He had a lot of stitches in there. They were a little concerned about it, but you know, then we went right back to work, you know, with the stitches in, we went right back to work, worked all the thenar muscles and all the muscles that correlate to the movement of his thumb and his ability to actually grab the ball. Um, and hold it. And we work again, all those muscles through that activity. So I just simply get the brain to go, okay, I understand I can grip the ball and we'll transfer the force from where your trauma is to somewhere else. And there won't be any load there. And so therefore he can hold the ball and he can throw it.
0: When I hear you say you try to get the muscles long and unrestricted, that makes me think you try to make the muscles pliable. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So there we go. They make the muscles long and unrestricted, We're pliable and we're ready to play. Was there a time when you thought Tom would not be able to go and you were able to help him through it, Alex? Um, You know, I think there were
1: a lot of issues that I think over the course of our 16 years together, early on as we were establishing our relationship, um, there were several things that he had um, that he didn't know he'd be able to play with. Um, and, And, you know, one in particular, he had a groin issue um that I remember and they wanted to end up doing surgery on it um you know which would have taken him out that rest of that season um and you know I got permission he got permission to come see me I was in California at the time and he came out we spent 3 days together and he went back and never had a groin issue again and you know so that's when I think it really began to click for him like oh my gosh there really is a different way and uh, you know a more efficient way for him um, you know, to
0: be able to, to take care of himself so that he wouldn't have to, you know, miss time. So how much of the work that you actually do with him is physical? Because you are, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been married 33 years. You're the father of four children. You're the grandfather of two grandchildren, correct? two. <laughs> yeah, so we actually have four of our own children, and we have one
1: um, adopted. And so our adopted daughter has five children, so I have seven grandchildren. Um, but my our two oldest children each have a child each. So there's there's our two grandchildren. So a total of seven grandchildren, five children, four of our own, one adopted. And um, wow. and they're beautiful. They're 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 amazing. And so um, yeah, we we love them. Grandkids are the best. They really are. What's so great about it? What's the best part about being a grandpa? You know, you just get to love them up. I mean, there's zero discipline. I get to spoil the heck out of them. I get to love them at nothing they can say is ever wrong. It's always right. And, um and, you know, I just get to watch my kids deal with, you know, the ramifications of Papa giving them either too much candy or, you know, telling them they're right or their mom and dad are mean or, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun.
0: Do you train them up in your own way in a very subtle way and offer some guidance to them? um
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, we're very positive. So I think the idea of, you know, positive thinking and positive thought patterns, like I, I believe that, you know, to every negative situation, there's a positive element, right? Because if there, if there wasn't a positive aspect to a negative situation, the negative situation couldn't exist at all. So, you know, we, we encourage them and talk to them about trying to find the positive within the negative. And, you know, I certainly have had a lot of those experiences, you know, in my, in my career, right. There's, you know, I've, you know, I've sat in the arena for a long time and certainly taken a lot of shots and, and, um, you know, have been bloodied quite a bit and, You know, so, you know, but I've been able to, you know, to look and find all the positive elements of those situations, which have allowed me to really learn and grow and, and mature and see things in people that, you know, I normally wouldn't have been able to see.
0: When was a time that you felt you were getting a lot of shots and getting bloodied?
1: Well, I think, you know, being around someone like Tom, right, Tom is very polarizing. He's, he's a very large figure in sports and, um, you know, he casts a very large shadow and, you know, so when you live inside that, in that space, you know, I don't think that anything that was ever reported, you know, wrongly reported about me was ever really about me, right? It was always, you know, really, it was just about, you know, more about, you know, him or our relationship or whatever. So I don't, so I never really took any of it really personally. And that's why I never really ran, you know, I, I always just show myself because, you know, I know the truth, um, you know, the people who love me and know me know the truth. And so nothing anybody ever really says or writes, cause I've been, you know, again, I, I, you know, back in the early 90s when I first started, it was, you know, everybody thought I was, just, it was so different than what everybody was doing, you know? So I'd been, you know, the term, you know, witch doctor or voodoo doctor, or you practice voodoo medicine, like those things I've heard for so long that now it's just sticks and stones to me. You know, none of it really bothers me. Um, you know, because I, you know, I know the reality and now over the course of, you know, 30 years, you know, you know, I've worked with some of the most iconic and best athletes in the world, um, in multiple sports, um, you know, all with the same result, you know, they've been able to sustain their peak performance and do what they love doing for as long as they want to do it. So, you know, that's the, the, the positive and the negative for me.
0: Who else besides Tom? you mentioned LaDainian Tomlinson, you mentioned Willie McGinnis, Anybody else that just stands out to you that makes you feel a personal, professional gratification about the work that you've put in that proves in your mind to others that you're not a voodoo doctor, you're not a charlatan, yeah. you're not any of these terms that people have thrown out about you, Alex?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of them. I have, you know, wonderful relationships. You know, T.J. Hishmanzada is a, a very dear, dear friend and, and you know. Uh, worked with him as he went into the league and he had, mm-hmm. you know, some serious health issues that, you know, didn't know that he was going to make it through. And, um, you know, and he did, you know, Holoti, comes to mind. I've learned so much from so many people, Troy Polamalu, um, you know, Carson Palmer, uh, Matt Leiner, like there's just so many of them that um, have taught me so many things through their own experiences, you know, of what they went through in the league, you know, Drew Brees, like I've spent a time with a lot of these people um, and help them in, in one way or another. Curtis Martin, Ty Law. Um, I mean, it, 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 there's, just, there's just there's so many of them. And so, you, you know, to be able to spend time with them, and, and in some cases, it wasn't a lot of time. Sometimes I would go in and just help, you know, with a particular case and, and work with them. But I think when you put your hands on somebody and there's always some sort of, you know, there's a physical connection there. So mm-hmm. the bond you you develop some some bond regardless of how much time you spend with somebody. So all of them mean a lot to me. They might not know it, like Benjamin Watson, you know, like he I've, you know, worked with him for so long. And he's such a beautiful human being, as you know, and as most everybody who knows Benjamin Watson knows, right? So, you know, we've spent, you know, a decade together or more than that. You know, so I've learned so much from him and, and his family and seeing his family grow. And you know, again, and, and some athletes who they think that their careers are going to end and are trying to get, you know, another couple of years out of the league. But they think that they can't make it Then go in and help them and spend, you know, a year or two with them to get them through um, to make them a few more dollars. Like that's very gratifying.
0: Who pays you? Does, like, are you only a Tom Brady employee? Are you an employee of any player that you work with? Does a team pay you like the Buccaneers or the Patriots? How does that work?
1: Yeah. Most of it is just individualized. So, you know, each athlete that I work with will pay me. So I, you know, I will get paid through, through each athlete that I see.
0: So if I wanted to hire you, would you have the time and the availability like (laughs) that you could work? I want to be more positive and I want to be more spiritual, Alex, and I want to be more
1: pliable. Well, you know what the beautiful thing is, is I think because of TB12 and what Tom and I, like when Tom and I started TB12 the idea was to start it to help people like yourself. Like I, you know, the athletes are great and I love them, but the reality of it is there's, you know, amazing people in this world that are doing some amazing things and have amazing families and they deserve to be happy and pain-free too. You know, like I think the one thing that's hard for people to escape is pain. Like pain doesn't know age. It doesn't know gender. It doesn't know anything. It just affects people. And, and when you're in pain, you, it's hard to have, you know, a happy day or a happy life. Like you just, you know, you're in pain. So we started TB12 to help people live their best lives, to help them do what they love doing for longer. And so absolutely we have for you, we've got a couple of facilities in New York. I know you live in New York. We have some body coaches there. I'd love to connect you and uh, and get you dialed in to help you, you know, you know, see what pliability really feels like to see what it's like to wake up in the morning to have every single muscle in your body working in conjunction together for you to be able to do every movement you possibly want to do with unrestricted, no pain. And then that provides you with just a lot of energy because there's through that, you're going to get, you know, guidance again, you know, when you, when you meet a TB12 body coach and you have a consultation with a TB12 body coach, it isn't just about, let's look at your physical assessment and we do a biomechanical assessment and see where your asymmetries are. That's certainly part of it. But the other part would be like, it'd be like, hey, Adam, like, what are your life goals? Like, what are you looking to try to accomplish? I know you love working. You've got a beautiful family, you know, you vacation, but what do you enjoy doing? What does Adam like? What are your inputs? It could be like, I don't know what your input is. It could be like, hey, listen, I really love, you know, playing racquetball, whatever it is. Yep. And so the idea is to be able to do those things, um, you know, unrestricted for as long as you want, still be able to get down on the floor and play with your kids. Like, you know, I get on the ground, I roll around with my grandkids. It's the greatest experience. But a lot of people my age at 56 are having pain. They can't get down on the floor.
0: At 56, you can do everything you want physically with Tom to train him or anybody else that you're working with. There are no limitations because I'm 54. And there are certain days I feel elements of being 54 if we
1: – right. See, I always tell our clients we never cop the age. So I don't, I don't ever wake up in pain. I never go to bed in pain. I, you know, I can no train with the athletes and we can, I can hold resistant bands while they sprint and run. And there's some big powerful athletes like Gronk is a powerful athlete. Try, you know, restricting him on a resistant band. Like he's powerful. You know, some of these, you know, other athletes are very strong. AB is very strong. Like it's like, so to be able to keep up with them, um, you know, every single day, it, it's, you know, you, you, I, I need to maintain you know, my pliability and my ability to recover. So I make sure that my diet is, is, is good. I make sure that my hydration levels are where they need to be. You know, I make sure that my muscles are long and unrestricted so that I don't, you know, go blow a hammy while I'm trying to hold a 265 pound, you know, tight end who's running around and I'm trying to restrict him with some bands, you know, like that, those are the things that, um, so I think that that is possible for absolutely everybody. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do what you absolutely want to do for as long as you want to do it pain-free.
0: I heard Tom on Howard Stern, which was a tremendous interview, and I couldn't believe how much water Tom talked about drinking. Are there basic principles that you would apply to anybody listening to this podcast that maybe doesn't have the time to go into a TB12 center that you think would help them in their daily lifestyle? Yeah, I would say, you
1: know, the rule of thumb for us and that we try to educate our clients on is at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should drink at least 50 ounces you know, of water a day. Um, because you're, even when you don't, even when you're not really physically active, your body is still sweating. Like you're still, you know, excreting fluid. So, um, you should be drinking at least half your body weight in ounces a day to maintain the type of, uh, you know, pliability that you need so that your muscles don't get dense and dried out.
0: Hmm. Good tip. Your muscles are
1: 80% water.
0: Wow. Did, I didn't realize all this. You're, you're teaching me right now, Alex. (laughs) Well, great. And, and I appreciate it. Uh, how much longer can you do this? Like when Tom stops playing in the year 2041, <laughs> do you stop with what you're doing at that point in time? Do you, do you depart the sport of football when Tom departs? How does that work? That's a great
1: question. You know what? I love what I'm doing. I absolutely love helping people, you know, to see the, the smile on their face or the gratification when they're able to go sign another deal that they didn't think they would get. Um, you know, to be able to, um, you know, have them play on the field and, and perform their best and provide them the opportunity to perform their best. Like, I think a lot of the, the athletes towards the end of the season, which I think everybody starts out in the NFL, they start out the same, like September, when they start, everybody starts kind of at the same level. And it's, it's the course of over 16 weeks now, 17 weeks, you know, that, that bodies begin to break down. And it's really, to me, if, if I can help an athlete, even just maintain the level of physicality that they came in with in September, in November and December, when I think the league really Mm. starts is in in November and December. Now they're the, the, the gap between them and their competition is, is, is pretty significant. And, um, and so even if they didn't get better, the reality is they didn't get worse, which I think a lot of athletes actually will get worse through the course of the season, which is why they can't, it's hard for them to compete. And so um, I don't, I, I love doing that, Adam, but I also love I, I love being able to help, you know, people do like we had some clients, they were business partners and one was um 86 and the other was 85 and they came in together and, and I was talking to them about what their goals and, and dreams were. And they said, look, we, we really want to go ride the Tour de France circuit on our bikes. And I thought, what like, you gotta be out of your minds. Like you're 86, 85. We talk about ride the Tour de France circuit on your bikes. They're like, well, you know, so we kind of mapped it out. We think it might take three or four months, but like you know, we want to ride a bike. We'll stop off at some places and, you know, eat in lodges, whatever it is. And we think we can do it. And I'm like, okay, let's get you ready. So we worked with them for about a half a year, um, about six months, and just getting their bodies ready to, for the grind of being able to ride bikes through the Tour de France. And they left. And, you know, several months later, probably about another six months later, they, they came back. And um, they, not only did they manage to ride the Tour de France circuit on their bikes together, then they went to Fiji and they decided they were going to go um, scuba diving with the whales. And each of them came back and they were so inspired by it. They had one guy had a whale tattoo on his, on his, by his ankle. Another guy had a whale tattoo up on his butt. Like, it was like, like these guys, they did it and they loved it. And I just think that that's, that's why I love doing what we're doing at TB12. And that's why I don't know that when Tom is done playing football that I'm, a, I'm going to stop. Like I, I love doing that for people. You know, we've got a 76 year old woman. She runs four marathons a year. Like that's what she loves doing. And, you know, so we want to keep her doing what she loves doing for as long as she wants to do it. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think I might, you know, the, the beautiful thing and the blessing for me at this point is I get to pick and choose, which is a blessing for me. Um, so there might be another athlete that comes along that really inspires me. And I'll be like, hell yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's keep going. Let's help you now.
0: Maybe it's Kyle Trask's turn. <laughs> I don't know who it could be. <laughs> could be somebody, but how do you get somebody 85 or 86 to do the tour de France, ride that path? I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you know, really,
1: well, again, you're, you, you know what their physical output's going to be. You know what their nutritional input needs to be. So you kind of get that dialed in. And then we begin to develop, we, we program their brain to be able to sustain, you know, the forces that are good, that are going to be placed on the body. Hmm. Cause again, I don't believe that the brain knows right or wrong or good or bad or time. It just knows what you teach it. So it's not like we're getting them to go ride it in record time. We're just simply getting them to go ride it so that they're not sore the next day so they can wake up and go ride some more miles. And we just simply, you know, program their brain to understand like, okay, this is what you're going to ask me to do. It's the same thing we do with the 40, now 44, you're going to be 44 in in August. But it's like, that's what we do with him. We simply just get his brain to understand, look, this is the force that's going to be placed on your body for the next 20 weeks. Um, and this is how we need to neurologically program you to understand. So when Tom plays on Sunday, when Monday we wake up, he doesn't have any pain. And Tuesday's recovery day, we
0: get right back at it Wednesday. And you talk about him being 44 in August. And that in and of itself is a huge compliment to the work that you and he have done to keep him going this long. But when you look back on your time together, Alex, what would you say is the proudest moment you had with him? a moment where you felt like what I'm doing is working, that the muscles have been long and unrestricted and Tom is pliable and he's combined the mental, spiritual, and physical all together to it. What's the moment that you look back on with tremendous pride? You know,
1: I am so very, I'm, I'm proud of everything he's accomplished, right? He's, he's just, as you know, it's, he's just such a beautiful human being. He's a remarkable man. And, um, and we've just become so close. So I'm, I'm really, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of pride in just about everything he does. I take a lot of pride in that, right. Cause he's, he's so humble and he's so amazing. But I think when we first got together um, and I asked him how long he wanted to play for, and he said to 45 and I said, great, well, let's, you know, that's what we're doing. So I think the the biggest accomplishment for me will come probably if we make it through age 45, cause that's what his goal was. And I think that will probably be the proudest moment for me is to say, Hey, we actually did it. Like you wanted. One of your goals was to play within 45 and we did it, you know? So, um, you know, that'll be a proud moment, but certainly I think, you know, he he's been decorated so much. He's won so many things and he's been honored in so many wonderful ways. Um, I don't know that there's any one thing. I think I, I'm really looking forward to getting to being able to help him accomplish his goal of playing to the age of 45.
0: So you think he's playing this year and next year at a minimum? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you say that unequivocally without hesitation.
1: Um, I know from my perspective that I want to, I want to honor my promise to him and helping him with his goal If his goal changes. No problem. If he, you know, if he says, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to call it a day, then great. No problem. I would 100% support that. Um, but you know, in my mind is I'm trying to prepare him to be able to do that. Like I can't think about this, like this year, I thought about this year, two years ago, like, I I try to keep his body, you know, three years ahead of where we're going to be. I'm trying to, so I'm thinking about not just next year, but I'm thinking about, well, what if they, you know, feel so good at 45 wants to play 46. I don't know. So I better plan. I better plan to think about how I need to, to get his body prepared for 46 or 47. Like, I don't know. It might be 45. It might be 44, but I just know that I want to hold up my end of the bargain of working hard to support his goal of playing 45.
0: Oh, Alex, I see the headline already. This is the way my brain operates. Is it fair for me to say that Tom Brady is expected to play at least two more seasons? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I expect him to play this year and next year. Because he recently made a comment that made me think, well, maybe this is it. But he, he once said to me, and I always remember this about Tom, he dreams of throwing the football. And as I've said to people, I dream of a lot of different things. I've never dreamed of throwing the football. But that's how much passion he has for his job. And clearly, as he stated to you, He'd like to play until he was at least 45. So that gives him two more years. That keeps you in Tampa two more years. Like when Tom's done, are you leaving Tampa? Are you going somewhere else? Where are you going?
1: I don't know. I really haven't thought about any of that. I think I'll just wait and kind of see what comes. You know, see what other opportunities present themselves. and um, So I don't know. But right now, I'm really loving Tampa. What do you love most about it, Alex? You know, the weather's great. <laughs> you know, the people are amazing. The people are so wonderful there. Um, you know, and, and certainly the work environment is great. You know, the organization is, you know, amazing, um, from the owners to the general manager, to the coaches, to the staff, like they're, they're, they're just, they're great. And I, so, you know, it's been a, a very
0: rich and rewarding experience for me
1: the last year.
0: Did you have any influence on where he ultimately did sign? Did he come to you and talk as a team, a TB12 team to say, what do you think, Alex? Or did he just say, we're going to Tampa? And you know you're coming with me. You know we had a
1: lot of uh, we had a lot of personal conversations about where you know he was going to be able to play.
0: And we'll leave it at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> now it came out this week that Tom played last year with a torn MCL, which I'm sure you're aware of. Was there a moment last year, Alex, where you thought for a moment, boy, he might not be able to play this week, no. or a moment, or a moment? where you thought this is a more challenging injury than we thought? Well,
1: challenges, certainly, you know, challenges, but but we thrive on challenges. We love challenges. Um, There was never a time that I thought he wasn't going to be able to play. Um, You know, we're very committed and very dedicated to the work that needs to get put in to accomplish the outcome we're looking for. So, you know, we knew going into the season, he had it. And um, we knew at the end of the season, we'd have to fix it. Um, but we worked really hard at, you know, trying to, you know, maintain enough tissue pliability and, um, make sure that, you know, the forces of the impact of his sport were on some other areas so that, you know, we could just kind of take the force away from that one place.
0: What's interesting about it to me is that when it came out that he was hurt, I remember speaking to somebody in Tampa and I said, why wasn't Tom on the injury report? And they said, because he never mentioned it to us and he never missed a practice and he played every day. And I maintain to this day that a lot of the people in the Bucks organization didn't have any idea that he had a knee injury, no less a torn MCL. (laughs) Am I correct about that? That would be correct. You knew about it though. I did. So now how do we take that and spring ahead to this season and what we expect from Tom, his knee, from everything else? How is Tom going to respond to everything he's been through this offseason leading into the 2021 season? Yeah, I think you're going to see the same Tom Brady you've seen every year, right? He's going to take every year
1: as a new year, um, you know, and he's got goals and aspirations for what he wants to accomplish this year um, that are different than what he wanted to do last year. Like this is a new year. You know, we don't we, we don't we never look in the rearview mirror. We're always looking forward. We never look at what we have accomplished or what's been accomplished or anything like that. So this is a new year. And, um, you know, the goal is the same. We're going to work really hard, as hard as we possibly can to be, you know, the best we can be. And, um, and I know that's his mindset. He's going to work as hard as he can possibly work to be the best that he can be for his team.
0: You mentioned before his profile and how decorated his career has been. What is the one thing that people don't know about Tom Brady that you do from spending all the time that you do with him? Cause I'm sure you get that question, something like that quite a bit.
1: Yeah. But I don't know that there isn't anything that anybody really doesn't know about, um, you know, Tom, that I wouldn't know. Um, I think, you know, most people know how thoughtful and kind and generous he is. Um, you know, most people know, you know, about his humility levels. Um, you know, most people know how gracious he is. I think, you know, so I don't know that there's any type of behavior. I think he's extremely authentic. I think, you know, what you see is what you get. And, um, and he's that way with everybody. I mean, it really is. I've been with a lot of very iconic athletes. Like I said, that, that, that have played multiple sports and all over the world I've I've had the blessing of being able to work with them. And, you know, Tom's very unique in that, you know, his, 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 the way that he interacts with everyone, like he just doesn't see himself that way. He, he, you know, he sees himself like everybody else sees themselves. This is, you know, a regular person trying to do the best he can to be the best human being he can and be the kindest person
0: he can possibly be to the people that are around him. And the last thing before I let you go, Alex, he has to have a cheat meal, has to have a cheat meal. What is Tom Brady's cheat meal? So,
1: you know, he loves pizza and I would say that he loves a really great cheeseburger. <laughs> Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, and it's so funny because his diet gets so much screamed about, oh, like Tom Bray's diet. So hard. it really isn't like, we really do believe in moderation in all things, you know, here a little, there a little, again, it's a very, it's another part of the emotional component of how we go and treat something. Like if Tom has an injury, like, for example, when he hurt his hand on a Wednesday and didn't think he was going to be able to play Sunday, you know, that was a very strong emotion. Like he really thought it was over. And, you know, so you know, when you, when, when you understand what people's emotional foods are, um, and you can nurture his emotion through that with some emotional foods, like I I will say, you know, that that day that he injured himself, the day after that, that we're kind of getting him through the emotions of what had just occurred. You know, we weren't, it wasn't like, you know, super strict on our diet. Like, you know, we're not, we're not like that. We're, we're very balanced, you know, and we, and we do things to kind of help our body stay, um, in balance all the time. So, you know, if we, you know, if they feel, feel the need to, you know, heat up a pizza and eat a, eat a pizza, we're going to do it. You know, if he feels the need to have a, um, you know, a cheeseburger, we're going to do it. Now, we're not doing it all the time. <laughs> we certainly aren't doing it when we're feeling great and we want to keep our performance levels up. But again, we're, you know, it's a moderation in all things. You know, it's here a little and there a little. It's never, we're not excessive like everybody's written about. And people, you know, talk about it. It's really not that bad.
0: So if Tom hurts his finger in practice, or it it's time to go grab a cheeseburger that night. That, <laughs> that's the time for a cheeseburger, right? Yeah, we're just going to go put a pizza in the oven. Do you guys have the same diet? Like, do you, eat, I mean, there's so much time you spend together. Do you wind up eating the same meals? Yeah, our principles
1: of eating are about the same. You know, it's, it's worked for, you know, me and so many athletes I've worked with in the past that, you know, I, I incorporate the same thing with him. So, you know, I don't eat really any differently than the way that he does or the way that I help any of our other clients eat.
0: Unbelievable. Hey, Alex, I want to thank you very much for all this time for this education, this insight into the life of Alex Guerrero. Again, I think a lot of people see this guy who's working side by side with Tom Brady and they want to know who he is, what he's thinking, what he's about. They don't realize that he's been married as long as he has, has all these children, all these grandchildren, all these outside interests, like musical theater, right? Musical theater, Alex? Love, listen, you did your homework. Who's giving you advice? Like, yeah. I love musical theater. Absolutely love it. What's your favorite
1: musical? I would have to say to date right now, it'd be Hamilton. But, you know, I've seen it so many times because it's remarkable. It's, it's genius to me, the, the work there. But I, I mean, you, you pick a musical, I will go see it, and it will be the best night of my life. I love it. Really?
0: Yeah. Do they have? It, do they have any of that in Tampa? Do I actually,
1: I actually, I actually was in theater when I was in high school. I was in a lot of plays.
0: So this could have been so, your call. You could have been working with actors and actresses <laughs> on Broadway or on Hollywood, and basically prolonging their careers. Yeah, and I would, I would have loved it just as much. Hey, Alex, I really appreciate you. Don't be a stranger. I'm around. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If I could ever help you with anything, you let me know. All right, bud. Big hugs. Have a great day. And Alex Guerrero's summer is about to change with the Buccaneers opening training camp. So all these offseason practices now will turn into preseason practices as he nurses along Tom Brady, who, oh, by the way, he does expect to play beyond this season. And isn't that very interesting? What else was interesting was this weekend, the British Open Championship, young Colin Marikawa. And anybody that hasn't watched that guy is missing out because that right there is the making of a legend that we are watching unfold before our very eyes. Colin Marikawa now has joined Tiger Woods as only the second player to win both the Open Championship and PGA Championship before turning 25 years old. Now Bobby Jones won the U.S. Open twice, the U.S. Amateur twice, And the Open Championship, he wasn't eligible to participate in the PGA Championship. But that tells you the type of company that Collar Marikawa is now keeping. Bobby Jones, Tiger Woods, and he has the chance to be that caliber of golfer. Anybody who watched his post-match speech, the maturity he spoke with, the way he carried himself on the greens, can tell that that guy is special. He thinks differently. He acts differently, and we are going to get a treat to watch his career unfold over the next two, three decades. Kawa poised for stardom. And of course, this is my new sport, golf, with my obsession in my golf pool. This past week, in the Open Championship, holding a first-place lead in my season-long golf pool, we had Justin Thomas. Oh, that was disappointing to watch. Oh, that was disappointing. Brutal. Our first place margin has whittled away to where we are now 140 plus thousand points up on the second place team, which could flip on the base of one week, depending on how it goes. So the 3M Open in Minneapolis, which I've already immersed myself in. I know training camp's opening this week, but I am immersed in who's going to win the 3M Open in Minneapolis this week. This is what my life has come to during these quiet, Summer Dog Days, figuring out who's going to win the golf tournament each week. Colin cow a treat. We're going to figure out who's going to win the 3M Open this week. Try to do our best with that as we get ready for camps to open all across the league. By this time next week, I think everybody will be in camp, which is kind of crazy to think about. And I know ESPN is going to be having a full day of training camp coverage, which it's never done before on Saturday, July 31st. So if you put on ESPN that day, you can watch training camp coverage all day from early in the morning till later on at night from your favorite team, your favorite camp, all across the league. Training camp getting underway this week. Want to thank Alex Guerrero, who's off to camp himself to go take care of Tom Brady. What a great and insightful guest he was finally great to get to speak with him. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell for putting up with me and putting together this podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. When we think we have a, at least one special guest coming our way, somebody scheduled, we'll see how it comes off and maybe more guests as well. Coming up on next week's Adam Schefter podcast. Until then, Enjoy the start of training camp. Have a great week. Be well and stay safe.